Do the calf tonight, baby. Again? Yeah. Wow. I think I'm officially old. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Ian Prendercast, a Carlton podcast. We're brought to you as always by MGA Traffic, your one-stop shop for traffic, transport and waste. My name is Sean Peter Budge and I'm thrilled you've thrown us on to get you through or to get you where uh, you're going today and even more thrilled that we can speak about a win, which is outstanding. Uh, I'm joined as always by the big Fubba Ganoush. He's always been a downhill skier, so his best performances come after a win. How have you been, Fabian? I'm riding on cloud number nine. It's been a good weekend of sport um, for me in particular. But, you know, just yesterday we had my grandmother's, as I mentioned at the end of last pod, my grandmother's 93rd birthday. So um, we brought home the bacon for her. So, um, yeah, it was good. It was good to have the family around and not all of them can't support us, but... Uh, which is, you know, when you get belted in front of non-current supporters, it's in for a bit of stick. But to be able to witness what we witnessed was uh, really good, really enjoyable. You know, the only thing that was missing was the um, victory donuts. That was the only thing missing from yesterday, was the walk outside to the caravan. I'll take six donuts for $480. And then <laughs> the walk back to the car, you only eat about four of them and end up throwing the other two away. It's usually how it works. I got second-degree burns from... Donut after the <laughs> the Man City Real Madrid game, it was that cold. I took a bite of a jam. Donut. I must have a jam on my face. I didn't feel it, but the next day I had like all this like <laughs> it was all blistered skin on my face. <laughs> they are like molten lava. If you get them right out of the fry, <laughs> fryer, they're so hot, and you never well, know. In fact, I, I didn't feel it at the time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You never know until you bite in and you go, that is a river of lava. Uh, and, of course, the other voice you can hear cackling away in the background is Nobel Peace Prize for Services to Medicine is being engraved as we speak. He's done a calf and diagnosed himself. Dr. Davis is with us. Sean, how are you, sir? I want to know how you did the calf. Uh, we've decided our under-12s aren't fit enough, so while we're not playing oh, on Sundays at the moment, we've added a running session. Boot camp? And... Uh, because I'm a very big fan of uh, if you're going to instruct guys to do something, you better damn well be prepared to do it yourself. So I was, and evidently I wasn't prepared to do it. <laughs> and my body reminded me accordingly. How, how many of the sprints did you get through before it went pop? Uh, we were doing 400 in Indian file, and uh, I got three quarters of the way around and just finished my sprint to the head of the line. And uh, my left calf decided, uh, yeah, Timmy. I'm out of here. This ain't, this ain't for you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I trust it was down on the old uh, Kennedy's Commando course down in Bulleen. No, no, no. We were, it was at Zerby's. So we were running, uh, we were running anti-clockwise. So I got it pretty much right past the, uh, the coach's box on the outer wing. And, uh, and I think that was um, the football god saying, you can contain yourself to the box, coach. Don't worry about doing anything on the field. You uh, popped it this time last year. Yeah, a, I think it's, it's an cold, thing. cold weather thing, Fab. It's an annual occurrence. It's good. Well, we. uh, of course, you can find us on Twitter uh, predominantly. We're all on Twitter. Get in touch. Uh, the correspondence with the Printercast handle during and since last night has been absolutely fantastic. Um, Phenomenal. Well done. Uh, Fab, you can be found at Fabiano underscore G7. Uh, Timbo is at Hoff47, and I'm at Sean Peterbudge, all one word. So definitely shoot us a tweet if you have a thought. Um, we'll, we'd love to have a chat, especially about the blues or even about other things. Um, and also, if you are listening, uh, wherever you're listening to this through, uh, give us a like, give us a review, subscribe. Uh, that all helps um, you know, push us up charts and get us the algorithms and pushing us into people's feeds and the like. So that was very much appreciated. Before we get into yesterday's result as well, just a plug for... The weekly watch list, uh, which can be found on the Prentacast channel. Uh, it's a podcast I host with a friend, Will Peters. Uh, got a surprisingly glowing review from one of the men in this very chat during the week. Not publicly, but on the, on the, on yeah. the text I did. No, no public support, but just private support, <laughs> which is, I was like, yeah, that's that's good. You're halfway there. But, uh, 
But no, that was very good. So we just talk rubbish. Just it, talk it, it. To be honest, though, I did. When I rang you to say this was a, it was a good episode, I did preface it by saying I put you on to put me to sleep. Yeah, that was encouraging. <laughs> and then I got to the end of the episode and I was still wide awake. So that was um, did, quite good. He didn't have any whale sounds or rainforests <laughs> or whatever. So he thought I'll just chuck on Sean talking shit. I've been, I have been struggling a bit lately. So I did download the Car Map, and I've been going through all the different sounds and what. And then Matthew McConaughey was reading me a story, and I felt like throwing my phone through. Right, all right, all right. Um, it was horrific. Maybe that's just, you need some regularity, Fab. I think you need to get back into the office and get yourself on a routine again. It sounds like what that's you're missing. That's probably what's going to happen in a week or so. Does that mean we're back in the office? If you want. Okay. Fab's very big on that. He likes the social aspect of the office record more than the social distancing of us looking at each other through a FaceTime message. Especially when Timbo's not even looking at it. That's true. Timbo's looking at something away else. at the remote. <laughs> Timbo's not even framed in shot. He's like sitting on the bottom corner. You can just see the bottom of his head. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll get on to the game, obviously, yesterday um, and just start by saying that's a win. That's that's exactly why we all you know, emotionally and financially invest uh, in a football team. In, and in our particular case, this football team is for results like that. I'm sure I'm not alone in, you know, uh, plumbing the depths midweek, you're sort of sitting there going, well, I don't know who the fuck we're going to beat. I don't know when we're going to win. Jeez, we, got, we won't win this week. That's 0-3. Then we've got those, as Fab says, those tin asses, the Bombers. We've got them. Fuck. Because then we've got the Saints. They're up and about. And you're going, shit, I don't even know who we play next, but we're not winning them. So that was encouraging well, at least. It certainly proves that footy right now does seem to balance a little bit on, the, on a knife edge and what you like to assume is the way the world is just cannot be relied upon week in and week out because I, I think as you said you know we, you couldn't help be impressed by St Kilda the week before well they weren't impressive Geelong looked fantastic against Hawthorne and you thought gee good luck anybody going down the highway for that game and and yet as I said to somebody today if you told me that Carlton was going to come and put huge effort and apply themselves get a reward, graft their way through and get a two-point two win, you go, I can actually see that. Mm. But if you'd told me, oh, yeah, no, we're going we're gonna to whip them and get six goals in front, you're going to say, yeah, that, that, that's, not, that's not part of reality. So we were seven, seven goals up. We were seven goals up, were we? That was our biggest margin. I think, Fab, the, the, we? The, the pleasing thing for me was that we spoke about it on the pod last week in the, in the sense that our leaders um, sort of talk the talk you know, for most of the, the pre-season and then season resumption and then in the lead-up to last week and the lead-up to this week. And it was actually, it was so heartening to just see them come out and you go, well, talk's cheap, ultimately. But to, to come out and, mm. we're going to touch on our start, obviously, but to come out and, and perform the way we did right from the off was as impressive as we've been for a very, very, very long time. And people have been calling for it. Like, earlier in the week, Doc came out. And for the first time in a, a long time, even Doc was copping a bit of heat from fans going, okay, talk is talk, I want to see it. And he, and Cripper especially, delivered it from a leadership point of view, but there's so many others that contributed as well. Do you want to actually... You know, it's a bit that I love the most about it. Sorry to just no, jump please in there, tell Sean. us, uh, Timbo. I'm intrigued. I reckon in our last three years, when we've won games, we've won ugly. Yep. The footy that we played yesterday was clean and it was crisp. And you know it, was it was power footy, and was we Hawthorne. took it on. And you sat there, and you're going, "Wow, that's good." It was Hawthorne. Of, it was Hawthorne of last year, but we actually won. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. Yeah. We played that against like that early part of Hawthorne game was Pass just. Footy. And as Sean said at the time, we're kicking easy goals. Yes, like goal we and then we we kicked more easy goals against Hawthorne than we did last night. But it was just that fluidity in our play. It wasn't a missed kick and pick up and then someone's had to go. It wasn't, we didn't graft our way through every single chain of possession. It was just hitting targets. Our, our kicking efficiency was amazing, especially early on. Mm. I think one of the most encouraging things for me, uh, on a personal sort of you know, player uh, point of view, it's always funny to observe how players get up, how players perform, who performs, how they perform. You look at a guy like Paddy Cripps, I went down to the, the round 23 game last year, which was just a disaster, where we kicked into the wind for three quarters, and it was like a monsoon. Um, 
And I think that Paddy would have been a bit wounded by his performance in that game in round 23 of last year where he lowered his colours, you know, particularly to Dangerfield. And that's there's no um, shame in that. Dangerfield's an outstanding player. But on a personal level, he probably would have walked away from that game a little bit disappointed that the season's ended the way it did, both collectively and personally. I've had a bit of a dirty night. Didn't didn't happen for me. I reckon a little bit like when we beat the Bulldogs last year, a lot of the talk was Bontempelli Crips. Bontempelli Crips, so yeah. And Cripper came out and just destroyed them. I think there was an element of him sitting there going, not only are we up against it, we're 0-2, we've copped a bit of flack, the starts have been terrible, et cetera, et cetera. I'm the leader, it's on me. I reckon there would have just been something about last year we went down there and it just nothing worked for me on the night. So not only do I want to make amends for the first two rounds of 2020, I sort of want to make amends for what happened down there last year. And he came out, went head-to-head with anyone they threw at him and was just that absolutely was yeah. unbelievable. So big yeah. shout-out to him. We'll, we'll obviously get a... You know, touch on that as we go. Um, but ultimately, I think I speak for the three of us, just so you know, proud of the performance. We don't want to get bogged down in the last quarter where you know, we'll speak about it, but clearly all the effort expended to get to that point came home you know, to roost, but we've done enough to get far enough in front to just hold on. But yep. we don't want to speak too glass half empty because that would be missing the entire point of what was a really mature, really impressive um, you know, uh, performance. So... We'll get on, uh, without further ado, to the chicken salads. So chicken salad is obviously the pros from the night, uh, and then chicken shits are the things that are you know, room for improvements, as we as we call them here. Chicken salads, there's only one place to start, and that's the start. Um, I think having come out of the block so sluggishly last week to show the intensity and the application and the endeavour that we did, we just had to do it, Tim. We had to start well, and more than that, they actually had to start with some real purpose and intensity. And I think, you know, you set up set shots, you kick the set shots, you get the reward for the application, and that sort of success and momentum just breeds success. And so I think once once the belief was, oh, we put, we put the effort in, and it goes on the scoreboard, let's just keep doing it. And, and that just seemed very, very simply um, was our recipe for the success on the night. I can't talk anymore. Um, and um, and they just fed off it, and and there was a real confidence and internal belief, which, from all reports, we'd always been happy with our preseason, but all of a sudden, it was like, yes, this is this is what we've promised ourselves, and now we're starting to show other people as well. But it was um, it was just really, really good, aggressive, attacking, successful footy. Well, that that idea. Sorry, I think I tweeted this, but. Scoreboard superiority creates pressure, which creates urgency, which creates turnovers, which creates error. And then to be able to capitalise them, a great example of that was um, was a Blitzarves did the 45 kick inside, misses the easiest target he'll have all night, overhits the kick, and there's three of us on it immediately, clear, sweep on it. Uh, I think that was the Murphy goal. That's a, yeah, yeah Eddie bets left footer. Yeah. But you sit there and you go, to that's yeah. all because we put ourselves in a position where the Cats can't play a patient game. They can't play a conservative yep. game. They're thinking everything. They're overthinking things. Their execution becomes important. Margin for error becomes so small. So uh, that was excellent. And uh, I suppose we, we spoke about this guy a little bit in the in the lead up to the season. What might he give us? Will he be given an opportunity? Fab, we'd have to be pretty uh, wrapped with what we've seen from um, Mark Pitnett over the last seven quarters of football in a Navy jumper? Is his willingness to compete. And he's got a, he's got a bit of, I mongrel, but he's got, he doesn't mind a lot. He's going he's gonna to put himself in the right position to compete. And I actually thought we could have done a lot more with the actual, not the hit out to advantage that he gave us. Like, he, he was... He was superior in the ruck. He was good around the ground. He was he provided an outlet to so many passages of play as well. So I just thought he does a lot of really good like link up stuff as well. Like really good. There was one. He's involved. He's yeah. involved. He's active. He's below his knees. Yeah, he can drop in the hole and he can take a courageous, strong mark. Yeah. Um. I mean, I always used to love Sam Jacobs very early in his career where he'd just stand in front of a pack and he'd just judge it and he'd take the mark. And he was he was very reliable. 
Um, and and it was something that you wouldn't always get from Cruiser. I think Phillips wasn't bad at it, but I think Pitnet, it, it's, while it's probably not his one wood, it's, um, it's something that he can rely on a lot and yeah. I really like. But ultimately, because yeah. of that start, uh, you know, we were allowed to, to dictate the game because we controlled it. You know, the Cats had their joy late, um, but because of all the, the good heavy lifting done early, we got ourselves into a position that was, you know, fully deserved. So Tim touched on it. The other chicken salad for me was just taking chances. You know, creating the opportunity is one thing, which we were able to do early, but to take them and to take them as regularly as we did and, and to really leave not too many opportunities on the table when you think about it. Jack Martin had a right. set shot from about 40, no, 35 that just that went left and he's sort of going... That's really the only one I can think of off the top of my head where you went, geez, you'd, you'd mark that down. That's a missed one. Um, and that was Yeah, so... Harry Mackay. Harry yeah. Mackay had two set shots where yeah. he, he seems to shape left and he kind of, if he's going to err, he always errs where he runs to. And He likes to fade them, but sometimes they just don't fade. Yeah. And they just kind of stay on their line, which is always left. He always misses left. Yeah. <laughs> he's just he's just got to work out what he's doing. On There's not a lot of routine and structure to his set shot. Not... And not to be reliable and controllable, so there's a bit of that buddy sort of mimicry about it. A little bit. Whereas buddy bit. fully very, commits. Very typical left foot. Um, but look, once the the energy that we get from starting so well, from taking those chances, from getting that reward, just becomes infectious. And you could see, you know, it's the old uh, football with a smile. The guys are sitting there going, "Fuck, because we're in this. You know, we've started. We've done exactly what we needed to do. Because we're on. Because we're dangerous." Because we've got yep, yep. these guys. Go, this isn't the mismatch. What, what? Go on, Fab. Sorry, I was just saying what I found pleased. I was, I think we were all expecting a response without the ball. There was going to be pressure, you know, you know that that effort, that intensity from the get-go, I think was always going to be there. But I was just so super impressed with what we did with the ball, which, you know, mm. effort, and all that. It's, it's more of a thing when you don't have the ball. You know, we're closing down or we adhering to our game plan and going through those motions. But with the ball, we were so well structured. The way we executed everything we did, our decision making, everything was just. I'm looking at it, and I'm, you know, I could be a bit of a critic of of Simo, you know, but you know, I, well, I, you know, I love the bloke. You know, I, I can be critical of him more than others. I just feel every time. Geelong try to escape pressure and we'd have an intercept mark. Simo moved to create an option early on every single time. He gave us, you know, it wasn't an intercept mark, hold, look down the line. What I was glaring to me, as soon as Plowman or someone took a mark down the line, Simo created an option, you know, on the 45 or the 90, just to get change the angle of play immediately. You know, there's got to be too. Like you make an excellent point. There's got to be a level of selflessness that I'm not necessarily running to get the ball. I'm yep. running to stretch them. I'm running to drag someone with me. Mm. And, and if it comes my way, it comes my way as a result of that. But if it doesn't, we've actually stretched the field. We've widened it. There was just so much more method than there was last week. And we'll, we'll touch on that in just a moment. But with regard to taking our chances and, and creating great energy, there was one man and one man only really at the forefront of that. There's only one guy at the top of the list you need to talk about there. Eddie Betts. Yep. We spoke about it at times last year, post his acquisition, and at times leading into the season. If Eddie Betts, even through the ups and downs of a year he had in 2019 in Adelaide, if that Eddie Betts is with us in 2019, we win two or three of those close games we dropped. We probably Absolutely. beat Hawthorne. We probably beat the Bulldogs. And you sit there and go, there are so many games we left on the table because last night was the prototypical game. To expect him to do that every week is folly. However, he kicks two, he lays off three, he lays the game-saving tackle. Any one of those moments is enough to get us over the line in a couple of games last year. And that's the difference. And the Gold Coast one early, you know, you can oh, add that to absolutely. your list as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, and whilst people like Eddie would love to be working in space, when the pressure is on and we create congestion and he's not having to do repeat efforts where he's doing 15, 20 yard sprints and someone's handballing over his head. He, he can con- concentrate his, his efforts and his energy better 
because everyone collectively is providing that pressure, he it doesn't matter if he's forty five years old, he's gonna gonna be phenomenal. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And even if he is just a placeholder, you look at it and go, well, I think everyone's pretty happy to play it all by ear. Um, there's obviously a, another small forward who we'll have our eyes on again oh. come season's end. Um, but in the old, in the, in the, old uh, the immortal words of that little girl in the old El Paso ad, why can't we have both? Why not well, have both? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you love it when they had um, old El Paso, like this family brand? They had uh, Danny Trejo as their like corporate spokesman. You're like, this guy did time for murder. Yeah, genuinely, <laughs> yeah, he did time in prison. He murdered someone. Yeah, this is your. Have you have you seen Machete? I have. It's I love it. It is a disgustingly poor movie, but it's great. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's almost it's, unwatchable. It's so, yeah, it's so bad. It's good. I like the bit where he's. I don't know if it was the Charlie Sheen played the president. It was the bad guy. Um, but Machete is like sending him text messages. Is bad guy Steven Seagal? I don't know if it's Steven Seagal who was getting the text messages, but he was like, "Wait, Machete's sending me a text," and he brings up his phone. It's like text from Machete. <laughs> it's just, it was just brilliant. It was brilliant. Watch it if yep. you want to have a bit of a laugh. Um, Fab touch on you know skills and ball movement. That that is clearly the the other you know, chicken salad. Um, you could scarcely believe Timbo that this is the same team that trotted out against Melbourne. Like the way oh, the way no. we move the ball, the way we use space, the way they hit up targets, the way they honoured leads, the way that people created space, it was yes. extraordinary. I, I think that comment's probably the most important thing. Is is you know we we lamented that you know Harry Mackay was forever two on one, and and I think it was a combination of um, the the lack of dare and creativity in our kicking inside fifty, our preparedness to kick to space, but then also the forward line movement and dynamism um, to be leading hard and leading with conviction to give ourselves that opportunity. And then once that was there, and then obviously the kicks that could hit them as well were coming off, it um, it made it look a far, far simpler game than it can be. And part of the commentary during the game, they've sort of said, you know, teams have been winning games with five goals, you know, can't kick nine or something like that at that point. Mm. You know, and they were marvelling mm. at what we were capable of doing, and it's sort of like we're not without talent, but we've just got to be able to put it together. And when we do, we're a good we, team. We hit kicks. Not only do we hit the kicks, we it was the fact that we we took them. Now last week there was a couple of occasions. Walsh and Samo, from the top of my head, went to deliver it inside fifty, and they were intercepted. It wasn't that it was a bad decision; it was just the execution wasn't quite right. Whereas we didn't go in our shell. If a kick had to be made, if it was in the corridor, if it was between two blokes, we backed ourselves and the execution was there. I remember, just top of my head, Mitch did one where he's put the ball between, you know, two sets of players. He's just he's put it in there perfectly. And I thought, last week, we wouldn't have tried that kick because we'd mm. be worried about turning it over. But no, Was that we were Levi like, being Levi number two? I think it was. Yeah, it could have been. But, yeah, if it was there to be executed, we we did it rather than going in our shell. I think it really... That, that, that kick was a kick that had a third dimension to it. You know, you've forever seen the layout in space and can player X, you know, intervene and all that sort of stuff or intercept. But in the end, it was also... The ball was that high up in the air. There was really only one player that could mm. jump up and get it at that point as well. It's like having a... A six foot five wide receiver and a and a quarterback that can make it rain out here. I'll put it wherever I want. And uh, all state. <laughs> first team all state. I can make it rain out here. I think a guy that was absolutely integral to that. Heart uh, route. And he's Heart been route. <laughs> and he's been getting a fair bit of um, plaudits, which is much deserved. Jack Martin playing between the arcs, playing sort of he was he was inside mid a couple times, but just operating between the arcs. His ball use, his ability to just hit the kick. It sounds so incredible. This is how far we've come or how, how far away we've been for so long. A guy that is like a really, really good AFL player, just hits kicks, minimum of fuss, can change angles, doesn't get caught out in traffic, doesn't get panicked. He was excellent last night. And, and we obviously put the tweet out that just not for nothing, we didn't give anything up to get this guy. Yep. Got him for donuts. <laughs> 
look, reality that the the main reason we've probably gotten him is because our efforts to try and land a Josh a Josh Kelly or a Stephen Canilio um, or someone of that ilk has failed. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it gives you options, um, salary cap space to be able to make moves. And now, obviously, you know the backstory about. Gold Coast, you know, not thinking that they're getting appropriate value for the play, which they were kind of right, but what they were asking for was crazy, given that um, they weren't playing and come the end of the year anyway. But look, there was no doubt we were always getting the talented footballer. It was were we going to be able to allow the talented footballer to be able to thrive, express himself, be of value to our team, and make us better? And um, yeah, three games in, you know, the answer is yes, yes. And yes. And that's, look, uh, that is beyond dispute now. People who are questioning the acquisition, David King was one. Obviously, at the time it was mooted. Um, it'd be interesting to get his thoughts now because for a guy that had for a long, long, long time been regarded as an exceptional talent, um, he was clearly just fed up with the environment, and whether it be the environment literally or the, the coaching or whatever it might be. Um, you know, the change of scenery has clearly done him the world of good. But, uh, Another chicken salad, uh, we've, we've sort of touched on it with ball use and a few other things taking <coughs> our chances. Just the forward structure. I mean, we obviously put the asset on Cameron Bruce and, and the guys last week for, for what they served up structurally and organisationally. Um, night and day, absolute night and day. The adjustments were noticeable. We were a lot cleaner. We were more unpredictable. Geelong's defence is there sitting, the ball's coming in. They're kind of going, well, fucking Levi's clunking everything. Mitch is clunking stuff. Oh, geez, I'm going to go to them. I've got to be mindful of them because they're marking, they're on. But if we didn't, Murph pops up, Gibbons pops up, Eddie's lively. You know, guys like Dave Cunningham did a couple of nice things just at the feet of packs. And you're sort of going, that unpredictability of not just playing markers up just made us so much better to watch and so much more dangerous. You would have noticed that, Fab, I imagine, from your living room couch and been um, very impressed, very pleased. I was. Uh, it wasn't my living room, but uh, in my auntie's living room, I was very pleased. Um, I thought you were the entertainers just, in the family. I thought you were the ones who hosted the parties and the do's and the shindigs. No, we had a do on Friday um, for my boys, but uh, yeah, well, no, Metricon's, my Metricon's doing double duty. Metricon's doing that right now, back to backs, double headers. Nah, no back to backs. No, no double headers. Yeah, we um. No, nah, I was in foreign territory, but um. Yeah, no, it was the forward setup, but it wasn't just the setup, it was also the delivery inside 50. And a lot of the times, not just bombing away, finding another way in. If, if the only option ahead of you is to bomb it to a pack, well, no, there's not. Let's move sideways, go around the arc, change the angles of attack, and lo and behold, things open up. Absolutely. I, I, I close out the chicken salads with a bit of trepidation here because I don't want to, Fabian, you'd be excited. We're, we are ahead of the yellow line at the moment. We are on world record pace. We are we are tracking well in the runtime of this well, episode. Well, we... um, but special shout-outs, I say this with great trepidation. I throw to Timbo for an appraisal of the performance of Jacob Wittering. Um, um, if you were allowed into the stadium, I think the price of admission was well worth it to see the matchup between Hawkins and Wiedering. I, I think it genuinely was a terrific matchup. What heartened me the most was, and, and we kind of knew that he'd graduated, but to see him pushing and really working his body on Hawkins, matching him, um, and actually being a handful for him, a couple of other times being able to work his way around him um, and still take marks. And again, his, his skill and his creativity are so important. He's composed. Um, there was that pivotal play where uh, the free kick was paid against Hawkins as well. But you looked at the replay and Hawkins' eyes have gone off the ball onto Wiedering, two hands in the back, pushed him out, taken the mark. And while a few of the guys, you know, Dunster was still still saying, I reckon that's a mark, you're going, you got to pay that. you got to pay that. Dunster so, was sort of half-heartedly but, saying the Selwood thing was there. The Selwood one with Williamson? Yes. Oh, forget oh. it. There was no we're, 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 we're gonna, he bumped we're, we're him, he knocked we'll him off balance, and he thought, I'll fall over. So, no. That's, that's, in, that's, that's in the chicken shit. 
trust me, we'll hold it, I'll fight. It, it doesn't <laughs> even worth mentioning it. It oh, was so like, poor. Sounds like Fab's going to load up. But no, look, I thought... But, I thought... but yeah, but sorry, That's I'm right. sorry, Sean. Just I, I, my very first thing that I wrote on our chicken salads was just the back three, the yep. big back three. Yep. And, and Weedering was the shining light. Um, yeah, and has been so far this season. But Jones's game on Radagalia, Jones was um, so he just wasn't unobtrusively good. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and I and I've got to say, I actually wrote it in the chicken shit as well. Gary Rowan took a mark where he floated across the pack. Yeah. Um, I think the start of the last quarter, maybe. And what frustrated me the most was you see the other angle. Oh, it was two arms around his arm by Mitch Duncan. Held yep. back, not even able to contest. And you're talking about the guy who um, blows up contests with the fist better than, probably just about better than anybody, denied the chance to get into the contest. And you sit there and you go, and that's what you need a good umpire for because it's absolutely changed the result of the contest. And yet half those umpires wouldn't have had any idea of what, what, what had happened. Now, didn't matter. It didn't change the result in the end but you just sort of sit there and you're going it just would have been another opportunity for us defensively to be able to stamp our mark on the game that we've just got these guys covered and particularly when we it felt like we only needed it was one of those things you go we just need one stop what one stop one goal yeah take and we're done take the air out of it we had a couple chances you know jack had a shot for goal not a gimme Uh, harry had a Mm. shot for goal not a gimme but you sort of going, and, and, and obviously Betts could have kicked his goal at the yeah. end, which was you know, a very, very late goal you know, for go, what we were needing. But it still would have been the goal. And it's done. It's over. But uh, the other yeah. guy, you, you sort of mentioned that back three. The other guy we, we touched on, Doc, um, not, just wow. a, not just a couple of the moments. Obviously, the goalkeeping moment was massive. Um, and his leadership in general, his performance in general. Um, you know, Tim and I were speaking off pod briefly just before we got rolling. And... <sighs> Any reasonable expectation of Sam Doherty this year, he has blown it out of the water in the first Already. in the first yep. three weeks. And and being fair to him, fans' expectations was we're going to see some great from you, we're going to see some good from you. There's going to be games where you're maybe a bit off the pace or you're a bit tentative or whatever it might be. He has been absolutely exceptional and should be in the conversation at the moment that All-Australian, rolling All-Australian thing, not necessarily in the team, but he has to be there or thereabouts. He has not missed a beat. And from a Carlton Football Club point of view, Fabian, I don't think we could possibly be any prouder of the way he's come back into the team. No, I thought he'd struggle with... I didn't think he'd struggle with fitness, um, but I thought he might struggle with game pace. Mm. As much as you can watch it and be involved in the stop-over lines, game pace, when you're in the moment, he hasn't missed a beat from that. I thought early on his disposal efficiency was a little off. In the last two weeks, especially this week, in the first three quarters especially, his, his, his disposal by foot was just, it was on point again. So he did, um, he did a couple of absolutely magnificent kickouts. Yep. Where he just spotted up, pinpointed a guy that kind of broke the corridor open or made Geelong go, well, we can't defend wide. We actually have to stretch. And they were long kicks. So they were not, we're going territory. Yep. And they weren't to pack. He was hitting... His kickouts were were an absolute treat. Um, going back to Wedering, Wedering, Wedering hit someone on the wing. Oh yeah, yeah. From from a kick, it was like a fifty meter kick. And when he when it left his boot, the cameraman was a little bit slow. When it left his boot, I've gone, where's he kicking this thing? And he just hit the bloke laced out. And I think, wow, wow. And this so, is the thing, like not not wanting to not wanting to pot a guy like Cade Simpson, who uh, shout out to him will this week get to third club all-time on our games playlist, um, which is an outstanding yep. achievement in longevity and, and obviously service to the football club. But you look at it and go, well, like Doherty's a better kick than Simo. Weeders is a better kick than Simo. You know, Williamson yep. is, is not a downgrade. He's potentially a, a better kick than Simo. So that's that's where our improvement's going to come from. As great yep. of a servant as he's been, he's obviously winding up. He's in the twilight of his career. But you go, the guys that are taking over, taking the mantle, you know, Liam Stocker, what we've seen, you need to see more but is a better kick. So you're going, well, that's the encouraging thing, medium to long term, is that those guys are yep. excellent users. Um, I've got a special shout-out to a guy who, um, you know, by no means exceptional on the night, but I think given the, the scrutiny he's been under in, in recent weeks, Will Setterfield, 
I thought did a mountain of really, really hard grunt work and, and lots of little things like watching through the highlights, just buffeting runs, running alongside the ball carrier, providing a shepherd, just being a body that a Geelong player has to get around or has to jostle with to get to the ball. Um, I think he laid a team-high tackle, the seven or eight tackles as well. Six, I think. Um, which was, look, I just thought from an effort point of view for a guy that had been under the pump a little bit and, and obviously needed to bounce back, uh, I thought he was really, really um, impressive on the night just with his application, his work ethic, uh, which was kind of, I suppose in a weird way, sort of was reflecting the whole team. It wasn't so much that he was the barometer, but but his performance was really, really strong. So uh, did either of you have anyone you wanted to single out from a chicken salad point of view before we move on? You've covered off all mine. I mean, again, I, I mentioned the back three, and that include Lockie Plowman, who we've not specifically mentioned, but I thought he had a, a very composed game down back as well. And But he was, again, just, just one part in a, in a group that... Um, Again, carried themselves with a composure, um, spread the ball. I mean, they kept on carrying on about you know obviously the shape of the ground, the narrow ground, and as you switch and movement, you got to do you got to do it fast. You've got to work as a unit together to be able to try and advance through space. And I think the game plan that they adopted, they executed really, really well, and they all had a, a, a lot to do that with, with that. But I thought Player had a very good game. Mine is. Uh... Has anyone had a better 11-position game than what Levi Casbolt did on the weekend? Cyril? Oh, oh sorry, you said sorry, 11. Yeah. Sorry, you said 11. I thought you said four. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, about, four, it's about four more than uh, <laughs> Cyril gets. Cyril gets three Brownlow votes on six touches. Um, nah, he's... Honestly, I know there for a time that Rory Lobb was in the conversation and Harry started last year on fire, but does anyone in the AFL have a better pair of hands? I think, you know, old boy Levi. Well, Chris Scott actually, yeah. which was really pleasing, um, you know, paid credit to our marking. And it was Levi, it was uh, Mitch as well, but particularly Levi. And with good reason. They were just unbelievable. The confidence that their performances gave us to kick it down the line, to A, no... You know, Tim Tim got a bit of flack for having Harry in his votes last week, but I understand the rationale. But just being in front and knowing these guys are going to be in front, they're not going to be beaten, they're not going to be outmarked, we're going to neutralise the contest. And as the game wore on, we were kicking to them going, they're actually probably got going to mark it. Yeah. Especially <laughs> Mitch. Because yeah. Mitch, Mitch has been getting to contest. Mitch has actually been getting his hands He's actually been dropping marks. Let's be honest. He's been dropping things that he should hold on to. Whereas on the weekend, sticky hands show, you know. Should we give a special shout-out to um, Director of Football at the Adelaide Crows, Mark Rusciuto, for inadvertently putting a rocket up uh, Eddie Betts and Mitch McGovern? I suppose thanks where thanks is due. Thanks, Rue, because they would have come out breathing fine no matter what, I'm confident, but I think that you just put a little bit of extra jalapeno. Well, I think Hugh, Hugh Greenwood had 13 tackles today for the Gold Coast well, against a, Adelaide. They've totally. obviously had a bit of a tit-for-tat on, on Twitter, you might have seen. Where, have they ever? Yeah, yeah so that, that was that's, great. A bit, that's a bit of fun. That's a bit of fun. I like that. Um, chicken shits now, and to be brutally honest, in a really positive uh, turn of events, there's not too many. I mean, we don't want to labour. I mentioned it earlier. The, the finish um, is, it is what it is. I mean, the, the guys had played so well and had applied themselves uh, so heartily for three quarters that we were going to hit the wall eventually. Um, we we <laughs> just about uh, did enough, as we all know, um, and, and really, you know, saved by a matter of seconds, you could possibly argue. But... Um, yeah, look, we'd spend our, our petrol tickets to get to that lead and to get to that position and um, and we're vulnerable in the end. But uh, apart from that, I mean, for me, I, I don't really have any, to be honest. But as you say, the petrol tickets element was there, but we were obviously more prepared to stack the back line, push players back, just knowing that we needed additional troops. But the moment that you do that, it means whenever you do kick it forward, you're kicking it to an out number, which means the ball's only going to come back and possibly come back quicker. Mm. So should the correction have been 
we just maintain the rage and despite we were getting tired, still try and push forward with even numbers and try and win contests? Or, or was it shut up shop, batten down the hatches, hope that the players that we push back can give us enough of a, a, a contest and slow it down? Or, or has the lesson that's been learnt been just keep going, just keep going and you know, try and win the contest? I suppose it's tricky because, Fab, you, you'd know about this. You know when you're, you're watching your team play like a really big European tie and you've got a lead and you're at home and you're sort of sitting there going, it's just park the bus time late because we're not copping yep. a goal. Yeah, just park the bus. And we, we were a little bit unlucky. We thought that on Saturday morning, Sean. We did. <laughs> we did. We were a little bit unlucky, I think, with the Atkins one is a good example of skill error, skill error, fumble, fumble. And then, look, he, he picks the ball up under enormous pressure, slams it on his boot and it floats through. And you're sort of going, fucking hell, you kidding? But he me. wasn't even under pressure when he kicked it. That was that was my little. Like, there was like encroaching, we like there was like encroaching sort of, you know. And then he gets Samo. I think just gets to him as he kicks. Samo it. drilled him late, but Samo should have been attacking it earlier. I think there was a bit where uh, might have been Liam Jones. I don't want to pot Liam just in case it wasn't him. But we just we, we just seemed to almost be ball watching a little bit at times. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of panic. There was a lot of waiting. Um, so um, it'd be interesting actually and, to, to be in the review, um, whether they do it tomorrow oh, we'll or, love it. but just yeah. to sort of get the philosophical mindset of, um, I can totally understand going to a more defensive mindset, you know, in that situation, but it's something that obviously the club, I think that in our position, how we've started the season, the discourse during the week, the rationale is understandably, we just got to win by hook or by crook. And if that's stacking the defense, that's how we do it. If that's how we hold on, it doesn't matter if we hold on to win by four goals or four points. We just got to win. So as you get but a bit then better, it, but then I just wonder because because winning becomes a habit in the same way that losing can become a habit. I, I think we invited additional pressure that we just didn't need to, and yeah. with with another half a season, season of experience and belief and trust, we learn from performance. That. You learn from it. You don't. You know, once once you've got your six goal lead, they might get within three, but that's as close as they get. I mean, we really flirted with losing last night, and and that's our next step as a team. Like once upon a time, we don't win that game. No. Um, so the fact that we have is great. Um, equally, should have won last week, didn't. But but again, that's that's still part of our evolution. But in time, when we put ourselves in those positions, we just win. I'm I'm confident that. Yeah, I'm confident that the correction would be, if it is there at all, would be we don't want to go too defensive in the future, but we needed to win the game. We needed to hold on. We played well enough that we had to win. It would have been yeah. it would have been the most demoralizing result in recent memory to, to go well, away from that. At least we drew we drew the score with Melbourne, having been behind all day. Geelong never drew or hit the lead at all. And so, you know, while while there would have been elements of what we did wrong at no point could you legitimately put your hand on your heart and say Geelong probably should have won that game. Well, we were because there was an excellent um, Swamp Thing on Twitter had an excellent stat about where the first team since a Bulldogs team in 2003 to go to Cadinia Park to not trail at any point in the game and win. Since, what was it, 2006 Three. or something like that? Three, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's indicative of how well they played, but... Um, yeah, look, I'm confident that in that position in the future, we've, we've got the win. Um, and then if we're in those positions more, they'd be more confident to you know, be a bit more expansive and stay the course in, in an attacking sense. Did you want to touch, Fab? You mentioned it earlier. You mentioned the sore point with one of the hardest men in the AFL. I say that, ironically, Joel Selwood. Um, for a guy with his reputation, he does a lot of really soft things. Well, he's got 200 more free kicks than any person in AFL history. Something along those lines. But if, if, I don't care who it was. And yeah, he feigned for it. But I don't understand how our captain can be held, punched, blocked at every comp, every contest around the ground and nothing is given. And yet, and we saw it on well, Friday night. You know, the bot was getting punched up like he was in Title fight. It's like he's in fight, uh, club. fight club, yeah. <laughs> right? And, yeah, okay, so they're not freaky. Yeah, this is, and, it, and Dunstall, he was pissing me off when he was saying, oh, he 
just doesn't need to do it. Yeah, but also it just doesn't need to be paid. Well, now, if you're, I, I, if you're I an umpire, what the free kick actually was. Like, what, what, what was it? Because you, you bumped him. VAR would have called it back to simulation, right? But I don't. It probably was for excessive before. It was very prohibitive contact. If you're, if you're an umpire, read the situation. Why are you giving a certain goal? The punishment way out balances the crime. If it's on the wing or in the back pocket or something, you go. You want to set a precedent to, to stop the, you know, that that element creeping into the game. Do it yep. then. Back don't give away. Yeah. Don't give away a certain certain goal. It's the numbers on the back of the jumpers, Fab. That's all it is. Yeah. It was it was Tom Williamson bumping into Joel Selwood. If it was Sam Doherty doing that, it would have been. Watch it, Doc. Cut just it watch there. it. Cut it out. Yeah. Go and just as much as last week, when if it wasn't, I don't know who's an example of a. If it was a. Well, it was Levi Casbolt's push out on Gorn. Oh well, if you know, Gorn got skittled, and they've gone. Oh, well, Gorn's a great player. He shouldn't be bundled out of a contest like that. So therefore, it's a free kick. I'm trying to think of a like a no-name Melbourne player, but last week when Clayton Oliver could have been done half a dozen times for holding Cripps at the stoppage, not watching the ball, back to the play. Etc. Because it's Clayton Oliver, yep. it's all right. And we've had if that. It was Trent Rivers. If it was yeah. Trent Rivers, it would have been free kick, free kick, free kick. And we've had that. Everyone has it. You know, Judd, Judd always got a little bit longer to dispose of the footy in a tackle. Every every team's got those sort of players. But, yeah, yeah that Selwood one yeah, for me. It, it comes back to an umpire has an expectation of an outcome and therefore he, he waits for the script to play out within those expectations. And then he can make his decision to suit. And yeah, for some reason, Tom Williamson's not allowed to make any physical contact with Joel Selwood whatsoever. It was it was madness. It, it was madness like, uh, for the sport that we are. It sounds like we're being incredibly petty, and and if we are, we we apologise. But it just really shit us up the wall, basically. Yeah, to yeah, have them have them under control like well, we did. Well, we had them goalless. We had them goalless with pants them, and then you're going, you know. It, if it was a shot from 50 out and the guy was still good enough to kick it, you're going, okay, well, there's a level of kudos of good skill, well done for being able to execute the skill to be able to you know, score the goal. But it was sort of like, you just gave him a goal. I mean, the moment Tom Williamson bumped into him, they said, all right, let's just go back to the centre square and ball it up. You know, Geelong's got one more goal. Mm. Yeah, that's that, that's what they did. And you're going, that's not the game we, we follow. No. no. Uh, well, Willow got some, got some revenge a couple of minutes later with, some good forward pressure to lead to the Eddie Betts goal. Got what no I did, idea what he was doing there, but it was good that he was there. And <laughs> hopefully, he was following, hopefully he was following the man. And um, what I did love, and you only caught a glimpse of it on the footage, is that he's given the ball to Eddie, Eddie's kicked the goal. And he hasn't gone into his shell. He's gone straight over to Freddie Farnock or whoever it was. It was Grind Myers. Yeah, and just given it to him. What did you just and call just Freddie Farnock? Pretty fast. Is the blue the blonde guy for the long one? What's his name? Um, Cam Guthrie. Yeah, no, uh, no. Guthrie. No, Narkle. Oh, yeah. Quinton Narkle, yeah. yeah. Pretty. Yeah. We were sitting but it was Grind Miser he went to. Yeah. When we went down there. Get a haircut, year. by the way. I, I've said this I've said this to many of my I know you I sound like an old man. What do you say, Sean? An, an old, old man complaining, complaining no, about an about old man yelling at clouds. Yelling at wind. Right. Cut your fucking hair. I don't give a shit who, what, how. There's no excuse for that. I wouldn't accept that. The biggest yeah, problem right. that guy has is that, like, Grian, it's not even a real name. It's not he even he a doesn't real, have a real name. It's not even a real name. He's got it's a like... shit haircut. I said this to Ant um, a while back, Timbo. I said, Shout out to Ant. How can Dyson Heppel be the captain of a club, the calibre of the Essendon Football Club, and have hair like that? It's embarrassing. Oh, yeah, right. but he's obviously an ugly bloke who needs the hair to be able to draw the attention away from his face. That's all it comes back to, which is not an unreasonable, vain approach to life. <laughs> uh, no more chicken shits. No, I'm good. No, nah. you're done. Too happy to. Give uh, me obviously, prior shit. to the the game, we played a scratch match um, against the Cats. It was 16 on 16. We had just the 16 players. The Cats had three on the bench. Uh, as much as you can win a game like that, I think the Cats won. They don't really publish scores as such. Um, 
they played in like like when that Cats, uh, sorry, the Collingwood practice game, they played in like eight periods. I read in the Geelong match report, they had a few more details. Um, played in like eight weird periods with different scenarios and blah, blah, blah. So it's very difficult to follow. But on our end of things, uh, Lang and Owies kicked three. Uh, O'Brien and Philp kicked a couple. Uh, Kennedy Finbar and uh, Liam Stocker kicked goals for us as well. Apparently Kennedy played pretty well. And you, you look at him running around, you just think, I just reckon there might be a place for you. I don't know. There's, I don't know if I've just... If he's, yeah, you sit there and go like, there's something, there's a lot, there's something you've got to work with. But I just have this nagging feeling that you're going to be gone at the end of the year. I hope not. I hope not. But every time I see him, I'm like, I just, you've got, you got what we sort of need, not on an every week basis. Well, but, especially if Cripps is potentially going to be moved forward to have a guy who can win contested ball in the guts, you, you kind of have some, need to have somebody like that to be able to wax with him. And maybe the answer is that player is Will Shetterfield and maybe it's Will that's ahead of Kennedy. Um, Michael Gibbons is the head of Kennedy. Oh, he yeah, was the one actually I forgot. Yeah. I'm ter- terribly he sorry well. to Michael Gibbons. Yeah. I had him in my notes, but I I skimmed past him and we were too far gone to go back. But he was exceptional. And it just goes to show when you've got a two-time list and medal winning midfielder, just play him on or around the ball not as a small leading target out of the goal square. Uh, and he actually the genius might... that is Brendan Bolt. Fucking Jesus, Bolts. <laughs> if anyone wondered, if he sort of goes, but why? I would have just sort of queued up. I would have gone, just, just queue up that footage of you having uh, Gibbons out of the goal square. <laughs> or the footage from when Adelaide absolutely annihilated us and we had Charlie <coughs> one out against about four crows. It's like, so even if we do win the ball out of the middle, Bolts, can you explain to me what the fuck happens next, you midget? Um, thank God. Thank God that nightmare's over. Uh, so, yeah. So, obviously, from that, a couple of good performances, at least on the surface of things. A um, couple of guys putting their hands up, potentially, uh, depending on what we want to do or might be forced to do in the coming week. Um, we'll touch on that. We don't really know what that's going to look like, do we? Obviously, we play Essendon uh, next Saturday, and it still slated to be Saturday and the AFL have come out today in light of Connor McKenna's positive COVID test and said that Essendon will be playing. Um, they'll just have to figure out who they can play and who they can't play. So, Well, they've got, they got experience doing that, so that'll be right. The only worry about that, Fab, is you might remember that uh, that 2016 game where their seconds pantsed us. Was, that was another Bolton masterclass, just by the by. Um, where genuinely their seconds and like a bunch of VFL discards beat us. That's one of the darkest days in the history of modern Carlton. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was but atrocious. The media, the media already hypothesising that, you know, Essendon are going to be, they could potentially be without eight of their defenders. But where the fuck are you getting this information Well, because like, it's who he's trained with. So Conor McKenna was in, yeah. in a group. Yeah, but it's the groups, the groups, they pair themselves in groups of eight to ten. Mm-hmm. And it's not all defenders. No, they no, they like they went through and they said his his group is like Saad, Hurley, Hooker, like it's a pretty deep list. Well, Essendon is fucking idiots, man. We sort of go, but they're also showing vision from one of the training sessions, and it showed that Zach Merritt was involved and Jake Stringer was involved. And the more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. This is gutting this side. I hope that but everyone was involved. But realistically, you know, if it does play out that we play a weakened side, we have a win, we take advantage of the situation. Essendon supporters will complain, but. Welcome this bloke is a professional footballer. They've been read the rules. They've said this is what you can and you cannot do. I will drink they've their tears, Timbo. They, they have suspended Brandon Zerk's Thatcher the week earlier because he's transgressed. Oh, not the and Zerk. And cake turns around, does exactly the same thing the next week. If as a result of his poor management, the team misses out, I say, suck shit. Be better. Is that the official line from the office yeah, of Tim Davis? <laughs> Suck yeah, that's shit. Benny Fay while we're at it, Timbo. I love Benny Fay. I just like the idea of Timbo releasing a press release just from the desk of Tim Davis <laughs> with regard to Essendon uh, potential bans. Suck, full stop, shit, full stop, ends for immediate release. <laughs> get your mum Get your mum to spell it out in the, uh, the old alphabet. Oh, yeah, the alphabet uh, potato chips. Release that. Just release a photo of them. Um, <laughs> we're going to move now on to the Prenders and just wrap that up. So from uh, yesterday's game, uh, my votes, I went uh, three Crips, two Levi, one Eddie. 
Timbo, you went Crips Levi Doc. Fab, you went Levi Crips Doc. Uh, and then yep. the fan vote ended up being Crips Bets Levi. So uh, Crips took that out with 87 uh, votes. Bets 57, Levi 51. Uh, Pitnet 39, Doc 23, Martin 12, and then a couple of sort of single-figure votes. Um, that leaves the leaderboard uh, at Crips has vaulted back into the lead uh, on 19, Weedering on 17, Levi on 12, Jack Martin on 7, Doherty, Betts and Gibbons each have three. What was sort of interesting out of the votes, compiling them as we do, was that last week we had eight players get votes which is sort of indicative of, of how split everyone's opinion or view of the game was. Eight, including Harry Mackay, you might remember. Um, this week, <laughs> <laughs> this week uh, four. So just the four players um, split the votes, uh, Cripps, Levi, Eddie and Doc. So um, it's the old saying, uh, uh, failure is an orphan. Sort of going, everyone gets votes last week because we don't know who fucking deserves them. You can all have them. Yep. And this week, yep. even a better performance... Yeah, just the four guys. Seems somewhat unfair, but that's how it goes. If this was the old Sean, you would name the episode Failure as an Orphan. I probably <laughs> would. I probably, was it success? Well, tell us the one again. Tell us the one again about the turtles going Not the all water. turtles make it to the sea. Which is true. Well, was the albatross around the neck was the one that I never understood, so you know, the turtles, the baby turtles, not all of them get to the ocean. That's the idea. <laughs> turtle turtle one was fine. I liked the turtle one, the albatross one. What was yeah. the? I don't even know what the oh, other. Alex, Alex and I didn't accept the third one at all. Well, you two are fucking idiots. We all know that. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, and then, obviously, when it comes to goal of the day, the vote for that is ongoing. It'll close um, on Monday afternoon. The options were Eddie's first quarter snap, uh, McGovern's goal after the good sort of pressure around the ball, Eddie's pass to Murph, and then the coast to coast that was finished off by Gibbons, started by Ed and Walsh at half back. Um, I think Eddie, I think Eddie's winning. I think he's he's obviously the fan favourite. We all loved Eddie last night. I think uh, his pass to Murph leads with fifty eight percent of the vote, quite handsomely ahead of the other three. Really, they're splitting what remains. I reckon that the pick of the bunch by an absolute mile was McGovern's. Yeah, it, it, it rewards. It, it was what we needed. Well, yeah, it was a crisp kick, but it was. It embodies everything that we were lacking the previous week, the effort, the pressure, and, and the fact that it, you know, it came from a, an error from Dangerfield under pressure. It probably just speaks volumes. Did you see Danger as just... well throw himself forward? Tried to He latched onto Cripps', Cripps tackles, latches onto Cripps' arm, and then throws himself forward. Bear in mind, he almost made himself a paraplegic later. Trying yeah. to... oh, I, yes. I, was, I, was, I was very worried. Jesus. Very concerned. Um, it wasn't good look. He's come right down on the top of his head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was not, it was just uncalled for at the time. But uh, And in the mark of the day, votes ongoing. We had three options for Levi. Um, all of them just absolutely textbook Levi clunks. And then McGovern's really strong overhead mark. Um, somewhat I think unsur- it was Levi 3 was the best. Well, somewhat yeah, unsur- I had Levi 3. Yeah, somewhat unsurprisingly, that last one, which was sort of the on the halfback flank, really strong contested mark. That, that leads uh, 67% of the vote. It looks like that'll win that one pretty comfortably enjoying uh, Samo. And I don't know what one in round one. I can't remember. But we're going to keep a tally of these and obviously they'll go into smaller pools and then we can have a mark and a goal of the year a little bit later on. So, By the way, my dad did ask, did a, as Mitch coloured his hair. What? And I went, Dad. No, I think he, no, he I think shaved he his beard. Shaved the beard. <laughs> <laughs> you should have said, I don't think Mitch McGovern's who you think he is if you think he's coloured his hair. <laughs> I told you the story that when Dad heard it on the radio that we'll get Mitch McGovern, and he says, "Why would West Coast want to get rid of such a good player?" My favorite. Dad, we're not getting him, mate. We're not getting him at all. My favorite Tony one of all time is when, um, if he ever wants to pot a player, they all of a sudden become like Fab's favorite player. Even, yeah. even if you've never said anything other than like a positive comment in passing, you might be like, "Oh no, that was a good. Yeah, he played well, didn't he? That was a good bit of play." All of a sudden, he's like. Your all-time favourite player, the one he, the one that stuck is your mate Jared Wade. <laughs> I like the there was a better one than that. There was goes. <laughs> I think I might have even heard him utter this. I just lost it. Goes your mate Kettage, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and I was like, why is he your mate? And I think he said, oh, because I said he like 
he played well one day at a practice match or something. He's like, I said he looked okay. And then all of a sudden, yeah. as far as Tony's concerned, you've got carriage badges and fridge magnets. And Fully shit. wetted. <laughs> it was magnificent. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yep. We don't need anyone, I don't think, really to justify their votes this week. Um, no. So relatively straightforward, Timbo. I saw where you were coming from with Harry. I'm just ribbing you. I saw where you were coming no, from. No, no. I... You As appreciate I said, I it. Like I saw, when I saw when I saw that he'd scored fourteen supercoach points, you going that isn't even that isn't even acceptable for a quarter, let alone a game. <laughs> I think your rationale—he was presenting well and competing well. I think your rationale was sound. I felt like he was going to be the difference, and he was going to win us the game, either directly or indirectly. You know what yeah, I like, though. Not. I think what I like about doing the votes is sometimes you do find yourself sitting there and last week was a bit more difficult like last night was for me at least was relatively i had sort of four or five and I, you sort of by process of elimination you sort of go well cripps has to be in it casbolt has to be in it and then you got doc martin gibbons um doc martin doc martin gibbons uh levi etc oh, sorry um bets yeah. who i went with you sort of going and then the other those guys are sort of i could give one or two to uh, any of them yeah. Whereas last week well, you sort of got to mine in there, Doc's diving save yep. really had so much to do with us hanging on and it kind of typified it. And equally you could say that the um the bet's creativity in defence in the middle of the ground that, that it was potentially the the difference and that's how mm. he gets in as well. But it was the know, second best save of the night for Doc one. So you reckon Betts was the best? Nah, Sarah Radigalia was at the best stage of the club on the night. <laughs> Somebody on Twitter said that he must have backed Hawkins to remain goalless. <laughs> There'll be none of that. You know what that was like? Have, have either of you seen Semi Pro? You know, when Jackie Moon, uh, if they score over 125 points, he gives away has to give away free corn dogs, and they're comfortably winning. It's right near the end of the game. And he's like, just dribble it out. We don't need any more points because they're on 124 points. We don't need any more points. Just dribble the clock out like we're fine. And he goes, no, we're, um, Woody Harrelson's character is now we're going to play it out. We're going to play every possession. We're going to play it out hard. He goes, no, 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 we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. He goes, why? Why are you so against us scoring? He goes, I don't even got any corn dogs. <laughs> we don't have any corn dogs here. So anyway, <laughs> the, the, the play unfolds and they end up, he's actively trying to like – smother them from scoring and he's actively trying to like block shots and stuff like that. Asava, it was extraordinary. I'd, once again, I'd love to be in the Geelong review because I reckon they'd make like, they'd make light of it in a fun sort of like, mate, what the fuck? What was that? Yep. Yeah. It was absolutely 100%. magnificent. Uh, we don't have any more thoughts, do we, on the game apart from it being very good? Well, it's just, you just hope that we get to play Essendon purely because once you've had that performance, you want to consolidate it with added pressure, added focus, added return. So whether it's a, a full-blooded Essendon or a, or a, a watered-down version of them or whatever else, you, you just want another team to be able to sink your teeth in because it would be somewhat disappointing if our next match was an internal um, practice match because uh, it was deemed that Essen didn't have enough players to be able to field a, 20 to, uh, a 22 because you're going, well, where's that our fault? So, um, And let's be honest, yeah. beating Essendon, no matter what they look like, what the situation is, where we're playing, it's They will great. still be wearing a red stripe. Exactly right. Uh, so that wraps us up, I think. That wraps us up for uh, this week, which is good. Isn't it funny? Like, we lose, we play shocking, we're just dog shit. And we waffle on forever. We've done, like, we nearly, I was going to say tight 60. I was going to say project 60. We're going to be about 63 and a half minutes. Wow. Which isn't bad. Um, so good I, think, boys. I think we've done well. But uh, for me, Sean Peterbudge, and obviously thank you very much to our sponsor, MGA Traffic, always with us. Um, terrific partners of the show, as we all know. Hit them up if you need some traffic engineering or waste solutions. I don't really even know what they do, but... Um, we might have to get the, the the team at MGA to write us a blurb so we can actually probably give them a properly give them a a plan. Or just go to the website, Sean. What is the website, Fab? MGATraffic.com.au. MGATraffic.geocities.com. Geocities. <laughs> all right. The uh, soccer club I was involved with back in the early two thousands had a 
GeoCities website. There's not a lot of options. There's not a lot of customization going on at GeoCities. But thank you very much to MGA Traffic for being with us again this week. For Fabian Abaganoush. For Dr. Davis, Timbo, you're back in the lab tonight? Uh, yeah, be looking after this car. There'll be a bit of uh, rest, ice, compression and elevation. <laughs> you're gonna, you're, I was gonna, you're going to go do the old German calf's blood? Gonna do the old. Uh, not, not yet. I, what is that bloke's name? Dr. Rufenhauser or something like that. Polish off not a that, but baby anyway. cow and just see how it goes. <laughs> Whatever blows your head. Max Rupert had that done. Uh, yeah, Harley Bennell's done it. I reckon. Uh, I reckon um, Nick Revolt was putting it back into his knee as well because he was a bit bone on bone and all that sort of stuff. There's been a few that have used it. Very cutting edge. <laughs> Tim's right at the cutting but all, edge. But always a pleasure, Sean. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Win. Of course, find us on Twitter. Uh, leave a reviews and likes and comments, obviously, on this episode. Share with your friends uh, and always get yeah. in touch. We look back to your feedback or look forward to your feedback, sorry. Uh, and we hope to catch you next week following another win. Yep. Oh, there you are. Please. Are you still with me? All right, we're leaving now. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah after another win. <laughs> Obviously. I thought you were going to give me a here, here, yes, go Blues. I gave you I gave you a fist pump, but that's probably not great. Obviously. No, not that's ideal. Good, that's the only thing we can see, Tim, because your head's out of shot. <laughs> that's it. We're done. Goodbye. I'm on the line. See you later, guys. Go Blues. Go Blues. Come on, girl. Yeah. It's me, Jackie Murray. Oh, give me that look. That's right. Let's get sweating. Forest sweaty. I'm talking swamp sweaty. Let's fill a bathtub full of sweat.